in this episode, we're going to talk about PR, relationships between entrepreneurs and media, and community management. Welcome to another episode of 100 Podcast. My name is Reza V, and I'm joined by my co-host Itai Shekhar. Today, we're going to discuss with our lovely guest, Farhan Mohammed, former editor-in-chief of Daily Hive, what is the world of a PR um, expert and, and media and community management, as well as what entrepreneurs can learn from him to better connect and make a relationship with media. Itai, what is it that you are hoping to get out of this podcast? I'm very interested and fascinated by this triangle between an entrepreneur, a PR firm, maybe, maybe not, and the publication itself. Uh, I had some experiences myself, some are positive, others are negative. I'm very interested to hear uh, Farhan from the media side uh, and, and learn from his perspective. I think that's uh, valuable for uh, founders in general. What do I'm, you think? Exci- I'm excited to explore his world and his, his experience in this media world and get to understand his world in a way that I can make a better connection with, with whoever I talk to in media in the future. And Farhan, welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you? Thanks guys, it's, uh, it's fun to be here and looking at you both through a screen. Um, I, I'm like, uh, like Reza said, I'm the former editor-in-chief uh, at, from Daily Hive. I was there for nearly eight years. My whole life has always been around community building and strengthening communities and lifting others up. And that's something that dates back to when I was a child um, and really seeing that how can we look to the people around us and the community that we live in, whether that's our neighborhoods or our city, our region, our country or internationally, however you define your community and see how we can help those people out. Um, and so I did this, uh, I've, I've done a number of things, some volunteer work and then um, most recently with Daily Hive uh, to really see that how, how, can we, how can we connect people better together? If you're someone uh, like a government official, how can you connect better with your constituents? If you're a big organization or a small organization, you have customers, how do you connect with those? If you're people just, you know, in a city, how do you connect with one another? And how do you build that online to offline connection and enhance that and show people that there are other people out there exactly like you living pretty much the exact same life, no matter where they are, we're all the same, we're all in this together. Uh, and and can we can we figure out ways that we can help each other out? I love it. And I know how you are you're in between so many different parties trying to connect and communicate with each other. You have on one hand, public officials, you have entrepreneurs, you have the community itself, you have people uh, in, the, in the media, the media company itself, Daily Hive, I'm sure have, have its own set of uh, agendas and, and metrics to hit and all those stuff weighing on you. Who is the priority? Who in Farhan's mind needs to get the utmost value in order for that ball to go forward? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I feel like it, it, everyone, um, every, every single person, every single organization, everyone needs something. And the biggest thing that you need right now, and, and you see this, is everyone needs that connection. Uh, whether that's physical, emotional, whatever, we're all going through this. And, um, and so, you know, there, there isn't just one person, there isn't just one group. It's, it's, you have to look at it that everyone's needs are different, um, but at the same time, they're similar. And so how can, we, how can we service those? How can we satisfy those? 
um, how can we ask the right questions and see how others are doing and check check in on them and um, and look at this and like you know redefine and question people's purpose and what what it is that they're doing and not everything is just for money and um, and and looking and it's just it's asking those right questions because, and, because and the, the reason I'm asking is is that there is this idea of focusing 100% on the audience uh, that your social media or your community uh, builds, 100% focusing on the audience, and then that is the way to bring value to, to uh, whoever needs to communicate with, communicate with that audience. I think of the example of Amazon, focuses 100% on customer, and then the sellers want to be on that platform. Is that how media runs? Do you have to focus on audience and then let everybody else chase that audience? Well, there's, there's a few different aspects to it. One is that, yes, your audience is your, is your everything. Without your, your readers, your viewers, your listeners, you are nothing. Uh, you can have the best podcast out there, but if nobody listens to it, then you know, you're just making something for yourself. And the same thing goes for every, every other medium out there. And so that's, um, that, that's one thing to think about. The other is that there's, there are so many different stakeholders at play. Your audience is one. Your advertisers and the ones who are giving you the money to keep the lights on and the internet running are another. Um, another is internal, and you have to look at the team that you have and what sort of things have you done with them so that um, they're always happy and they're always feeling like they're being listened uh, and, and heard. And, um, and that's one group. Another is your own personal circles and your own family and friends. And um, are you able to be there for them? If you're not, well, then you're going to have problems at home and in your friend circles and family circles. And so everything is interconnected. And it's this one big ecosystem that, that you see so, you know, time and time again, uh, you, you can talk about Amazon and yes, they focus on customers and, and all of that. But you also see over the past couple months that they haven't been getting the best, uh, you know, the best news lately around um, the, the lack of focus around their own people internally. So you can't just focus on one thing or another or another. You have to see that, you know, yes, everything, everything is number one in my life. I look and I say, I've got my wife, I've got my soon-to-be child, I've got my parents, I've got my friends, and I've got, you know, the rest of my family. All of them are a priority. They're all number one. But who's a little bit higher versus who's a little bit lower on that. And then you have to go through that, those steps. And I'm sure you juggle between them to make All life work. Well, sometimes this is the priority, sometimes the other I'm one. curious to know what are the changes in dynamic you have noticed in the last couple of months since COVID hit, uh, even in the publication itself. I mean, advertisers obviously got hit uh, substantially and I guess that would shake up the system. Did you guys notice any of that before you left Daily Hive? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest shifts was a, a cultural shift in terms of being more human to one another and realizing that you know, we're all making mistakes. We're, this is all something that's brand new to everyone. And so if you can understand that and, and that's your starting point, you go in with this, with this level of humility and, and understanding that we have no idea what we're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. None of us have any idea what, what we're doing. All right, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's now figure out ways that we can move forward together. So the cultural shift was one of the has been one of the biggest things that I've seen, um, and it's great. You know, sometimes you you need uh, chaos and disaster in order to test people and get their creative juices flowing. Um, I've seen things that um, that you know, 
people have been talking about for years, if not decades, that we need these sorts of changes. But until you get to that point where you have to make that change, you're not going to do it. And this has really given us that opportunity to say, what is necessary? You see right now, uh, you know, office spaces, how much is actually necessary? You see Twitter is, is going to be doing work from home. Uh, 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 Shopify announced it, Facebook is announcing. So all these companies are announcing. So you start to question, okay, well, what do we actually need in our life? How, what type of office do we need? You look at streets and, and uh, so many people are walking everywhere now. And so they've shut down uh, uh, lanes for vehicles and they're making them more bike friendly lanes and they're making more pedestrian friendly. So then you ask again, what is it we need right now? And let's look at that moving forward. We don't just want things, but we need things. And let's satisfy those things first. Yeah, I think um, the world will not be the same because as you said, a lot of us, um, like from, from the small uh, uh, placement of our house to the bigger municipalities, country level, are re-examining a lot of behaviors that we used to make. Offices is one of the biggest things that I think is going to be re-examined over the next decade. And I don't think it will go exactly to what it was before. It's no, going to no, be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, you, it's, it's these questions. Necessity is something that people are going to think about. How much money do you actually need? You know, right now we're not spending on going out. We're not spending on getting haircuts. You're not spending on all these things. So, okay, you know, it starts to redefine in your own mind. How much money do you actually need to get by? Uh, maybe you don't need what you thought you did. And, and so you start, you're starting to ask the, the right questions. Yeah. I want to I want to uh, talk about Joe Rogan. We all heard about his news: hundred million dollar worth of contract with Spotify. Well, they and reached out to us first, and uh, <laughs> we rejected. And then Joe Rogan. We asked for two hundred million, so yeah, they went. Anchor needs to step it up, and <laughs> but um, I want it. It shook the entire content creation world, and the reason was um, Spotify's valuation in 48 hours went up by five billion dollar. That is how much this guy was worth it. Like like um, 100 million seemed a lot, but then the market says it, it's even more in this chaotic time. So the value of content and personal brand is just up. Farhan, what, where do you see the media in this, um, uh, in this equation? Because Farhan Mohammed or anybody working at Daily Hive could easily be a bigger brand than Daily Hive altogether. What, what, what's the future of that? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was chatting with a friend of mine who, uh, who runs her own little, um, her own little shop and uh, I said, you know, how have, how have things changed for you? And she said, well, you know, I've, I've had to lay off a bunch of people, um, but it's allowed me to focus on what I really want to do and really be a content creator and really be someone who is working with businesses and helping them to change what they're doing and enhance them and change their lives. And, and that was something that was really interesting to me is that, you know, we, we're seeing this fundamental shift that's happening um, where people are, are harnessing whatever power that they have and you're starting to see them become more human and look at it that uh, it's not necessarily about the bigger brand, but it's about the individual brand. Uh, the, the thing is, uh, at a certain point, you know, the, this, this world of freelancer and, and this age of freelancer, uh, not everyone can be a freelancer. You can't have a million of us uh, all around that are doing similar things. It's not going to work. 
And so, you know, we, and I've seen this through agencies where they'll be these big agencies and then a few people will break out, they'll start their own thing. But eventually you start to see that some of them start to, um, start to condense and, and come together a little bit and join together. And so it's, it's a really interesting time where you're going to have a, a mesh between both. You're going to have these individuals who are their own brands um, but at the same time, they're going to be ones who potentially will go and join a bigger organization so that their own brand can be leveraged a little bit or the brand sees them and says, okay, we're valuing what it is that you do. Uh, you see this with someone like Kara Swisher. You see this with someone like Ben Smith, um, who went over from Buzzfeed over to New York times. And, and so you're seeing these, these big names start to go and be part of these larger organizations. Um, I've always had the mindset that if we're going to bring someone in, whatever, wherever it is and whoever you're working with is that person or that, that organization that you're acquiring has to take you up a notch. And so those are the questions that I start to ask them is, okay, well, what is this going to do for a company like Spotify? What is it going to do for the audio industry? And, and those are the types of things that we have to look at is that it's not just about, okay, Yes, they're, they're acquiring this big brand, they're acquiring this massive following, the ad revenue will come from it. Um, but, you know, what are those questions around there that, um, that need the answers? Because right now, the, the world of podcasts and audio is huge, mm -hmm. and it's ripe for the taking, especially here in Canada. Uh, and so, you know, what, what is it that we actually need? Like, I look at it myself, and I probably have about if I wanted to start a podcast, I don't know where to start because I have like five or six things I would want to talk about uh, that I've done so far in my career and in my life that I could talk about many different things, but mm -hmm. what is it that people want? But then, you know, it goes back to the audience question. What is it that the audience wants? Yeah, that's where we have to start. And and unless you, you start and put it out there and you, you never know. You that's, won't know. That's the exactly. whole game. Do you see yourself in that, um, in that journey uh, now that you are, you know, you left Daily Hive. Do you see yourself build a personal brand? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've always seen it that uh, my my personal brand has always been something that's been at the front of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's the way I carry myself out. It's the things that I post, the way I post uh, on a, from a social perspective. But it's also the way that I interact with people. And that's something that um, isn't new. It's something that dates back many, many years for me where I've always seen that if I can carry myself at a certain level and I can have a clean heart and I can go in with good intentions, then that's what my brand is going to be. Whether that's a social brand, whether that's a podcast, a video, a YouTube or whatever. Um, personally, I always want to have that so that wherever I go, whatever I do, that's, that's what I think of myself and that's what people will think of me. I'm going to let Itai jump on this as well. But back to our uh, discussion about the future of media, um, I feel like, Farhan, you correct me on, on what you think. I feel like the, the future of all these media companies, whether it's news uh, like um, CNN and BBC, those uh, stations or any media company is going to be one person personal brand at the top and similar to marketing agencies how the brand the logo is the person's name and everybody else work for for that because when joe rogan or likes of joe rogan go at that level they need a team behind them it's the same way daily hive has a team he needs a team to produce that many content because people are waiting to to consume content 
And then the, the future of those bigger media organization is just YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You have to own the platform to become like, it's just taking it to a different level. And I was even thinking if everybody starts putting YouTube videos to your point, it's just not going to work. Nobody's, everybody's going to have zero views. Nobody's watching each other. And yeah, so somebody has to work for someone else. Well, that's exactly it. You know, you, you, when you start to say some names, like you say, Anderson Cooper, Fareed Zakaria, these types of individuals, it all comes from the team. You can't do it together or, or on your own. You have to have a group behind you that's doing it. It, it is just not possible. I think what's, um, what might be a common misconception is that one person can do everything. One person can write a story, they can do an interview, they can record the, the audio, they can put a video together. But if you're trying to produce at a mass level, it is simply impossible to do that on your own. And so having a team behind you to get that done and get you to that level is something that is um, is is a hundred percent necessary. The other is that you actually you know need a, a a team, an organization, a brand in order to bring these all together. The future that that I haven't said so far is around personalization. Everyone wants what they want, and then they they want what they don't know they want, uh, and so you need something that's going to come and put that together. We've seen in the past, there's been all of these different aggregators that come together and they'll pull all of these different things. You know, you're interested in, uh, in spinning on a bike. All right, well, we're going to bring you all of these different articles and all of these videos and everything. And they're just going to aggregate them all together versus if you were to go and say, okay, well, I'm interested in, in spinning. Um, I'm going to go and find a brand that actually tells me all about that. And then you look at something like Peloton and they have everything just all encompassing in one and then they start to break up from there and define themselves a little bit. So I feel like this, this world of aggregation is something that is a little bit older now, um, is something that's a little bit in the past. Uh, this world of personalization is, is give me exactly what I want. I know what I want. I don't know what I don't want. Um, and, uh, and, and I need you to just bring it all together for me. Um, and so that's where I feel like, uh, you know, you, you pick the, the four, five, six different things that you want in your life. I don't want to go and follow 20 different organizations or 20 different people, 20 different outlets that are giving me information. It's just way, way, way too much. My social feeds are going to be bombarded. I, mean, I don't want to get 20 daily email newsletters. It's just going to be way too much. Instead, if I can scale that back and say, okay, I, re I really only want three, four, five different ones. I want one that's going to give me my local. I want one that's going to give me my sports. Maybe one that's going to give me uh, my my world business or something like that. So those are my three that I'm going to follow, and that's about it. So that's that's sort of the idea around that future is continually more personalization. Let's get more granular. Um, let's get really to that fine tooth so that people can get exactly what they want when they want it, and and like having that content that's just on demand. From what I'm seeing, also people are diversifying it. It's not that uh, a certain uh, people will only consume YouTube videos and that's it, or just podcasts or just uh, traditional journalism. There is a mixture within those framework you mentioned. Okay, for business, I'm going maybe for that YouTuber because I like his perspective. I'm also following the New York Times because still those are professional journalists that has a huge team behind it and can really do an investigative reporting which is something that a youtuber probably could never achieve uh, and maybe another outlet or two 
so from my uh, perspective, I see more people diversifying all these new channels uh, and, and consuming it on a different levels. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm trying to figure out right now is like I'm redefining how it is that I consume because I went from a time you know, just as early as a week ago uh, that I was immersed into every single thing, following every single story, every single headline, every tip, every single thing that came, I would look at. At this point today, I am not really watching TV news. Um, I don't even remember the last time I've, I've watched any, any TV news. Everything I'm doing is online. I'm really uh, spending time on Twitter, but I'm missing out on so many stories right now. And I'm, I'm trying to now figure out that okay, I am now that normal person that is consuming media. What does that look like? And right now it's not a really good experience. I have, uh, I used to have RSS feeds and I would always go to it, but right now I don't, I don't feel like I want to do that because it's not what I'm doing for work. Right. And so as a normal average everyday person, I feel like there's a real gap right now in just the way to consume. And unless you're looking for it, it's not really coming to me and I'm still getting a bunch of emails every day and I'm on some of those email newsletters, but you know, I'm, I'm not feeling that that habit that's there. So it's, it's a really weird and interesting time. I can only imagine what it takes for you to, to, you know, transition between that because you're so used to reading all this stuff that, that must be hectic reading all everything that is happening. It's overwhelming. I was uh, watching Gary V the other day, both Itai and I are a big Gary V fan. And he was saying how he doesn't consume other people's content. He consumes his own audience's co uh, comments. And if there is a trend or a big um, post or, or, or content out there, content creator, he goes and reads their comments. He cares about the audience and not the content creator at all. And that was an interesting, you know, you know, fresh way of looking at things because we were so in tune of just consume, consume, consume. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. It's, it's something, I mean, I, I used to get those questions all the time around, you know, who else are you looking at? Did you see what this, this outlet did? And my answer was always that same sort of thing. Like I rarely consumed other media outlets and, to, and I, I rarely saw what they were doing. Unless someone sent it to me, I wasn't going and actively searching for it because of that same reason. I didn't care what other people were doing. I cared about what we were doing and I cared about what our audience was saying about it. And so I would read comments and I had my emails were always open and I had a feedback specific email. And I was seeing what people were saying because that was the only way that I was going to know if what we were doing was working. If our audience is telling us and you're, you're seeing that through comments and you're looking at the analytics and the data and you're analyzing both of those things and you're saying, if the audience is telling us that they like it, they're going to consume this, they're going to engage with it, the time on the page is going to go higher, the shares will go higher and all of those different things. If they're not, that's not going to happen. And so we have to look at that. We have to analyze it. We have to adapt. But the worst thing that, that anyone would have done on the team, and I used to get mad at people, is they were always looking at what, what others were doing. And I would say, you need to stop doing that. I don't care what others are doing. I only care what we're doing. And I only care about what our audience is saying. And then we will adapt from there. And you know, you'll, you'll get some hints about what some others are doing and like some that. others around the world are doing. And then you'll make your changes and you'll adapt. But you have to stay on your, direct, on your direction and, and stay on your path. And you'll adapt from there. But you can't have your path and have, you know, another media outlet and then another one, another one, and then try to like, you know, it, it becomes a, a game of who's going to get there first versus 
who's just going to make the best product? Yeah. And then, you know, even uh, uh, just as a consumer of content, I see a lot of recycling uh, of articles between medias. Uh, and you'll see the same story in five different publications. And obviously, this, this the problem is they don't even care anymore. No, everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's fighting for the same views. And, and that's one of the biggest things that I've seen is that uh, if you were to ask, you know, today, what is the difference between in Canada, you know, CBC, Global, CTV, um, and maybe you throw in a few more, everyone's pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah, they all have some different sources and, you know, some of them are doing it in a little bit of a different voice, but all the stories are going to be pretty much the same thing. If you were to watch broadcast, if you were to look at their websites, you're seeing exactly the same things. And so then I asked that question of, well, what is making you different? What is that real point of differentiation here? If you're not doing something that is completely different, then why am I following you? You know, you have to build that out. And again, it comes back to the audience and what does the audience want? Does the audience want something that they can get anywhere else? Or do they want something that's a little bit proprietary or something that you've put time into that others haven't? And so th that's where you, 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 really, um, you, you really win or lose is, and, are and you doing hard, something new? And the hard truth is that people are choosing to listen from another person than another media company all the time. On top of that, the person is way more cost efficient than that media company to produce that type of content. So they can do more and they can do it cheaper and, and they don't have to have all that cost. And repackaging the same news in different medias, is it's like you're reading the same thing. It's just repackaged different words or different yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I will, I will never say that uh, that we don't need it. We definitely need the 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 institutions that are there. Um, we need them to be better, but we need them that are there because that someone needs to be doing the job. Someone needs to be asking the questions. Someone needs to be looking in for the information and asking the right questions. Uh, there are so many times where I've had conversations with friends and family, and you know, some people will start talking about something, and and I realize like. Oh, so you only read a headline and now you're making an assumption based on what the, you made, a few words you made you an amazing point because Steve Jobs one time said, you know, I'm worried about the future of journalism. We need journalists. And 100%. If, and if the future is YouTube paying Anderson Cooper to join them, so it's easy. Like Joe Rogan made a whole shift that these big platforms are going to be like, hey, here's your money. Go build a team. And instead of working out of CNN, just do your own thing and then come join us exclusively. And it becomes like Netflix and Hulu and all these platforms. And it's scary because all of a sudden people are going to be following um, somebody's selfie type of vlog and trusting that yeah. over um, a, a proper journalism. That is scary yeah. to me. Well, the, the thing is like with that, with the going through the proper channels and doing it in the proper way, it's, it's, you, you know where the accountability lies. That if if a reporter is making a mistake, they're, they're reporting to their editor, who's reporting to probably a managing editor or someone senior who's reporting. Like there is a chain of command there that you can follow that if someone makes a mistake, um, they're held accountable to it. Versus if, uh, if, if Reza went and he just wanted to go put something out there, He's not accountable to anyone other than himself. And I might call you out and say that you're making a mistake or you've said something that's incorrect. And you might say, okay, that's your opinion. But, you know, the, the or we have to trust Facebook and YouTube and these platforms to do that. And are they going to do it? Are they going to, are they capable of doing it in multiple countries at, at the scale they're dealing with?
uh, they're trying and you, and you start to see some things and, and features coming out. But, you know, that like that is why fundamentally why we need media. We need sustainable media that is around that is is hiring and, and employing the, the people who can do these sorts of things because they are the ones that are it's, it's their it's literally their job to find the truth and ask the questions. Right. Um, Farhan, I want to talk about the subject of uh, PR uh, for founders, which is mainly our audience. Uh, we, we have to take uh, uh, care of them. And I had some bad experiences uh, working with PR firms, which I'm sure you are familiar with those. Uh, the main one was I expected, you know, seeing uh, my, my name or my brand's name on a big uh, publication on Forbes and having millions of people running through my website. But the reality is that it doesn't work like that. Uh, in some cases, maybe, you know, I'm sure that in, a, in specific cases it does work, but um, I think there are a lot of mistakes for founders in that uh, space. Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the, one of the, the things I've, I've realized over the years is that founders, founders, uh, anyone who works at a company um, or works on a project or does anything, they think that what they're doing is the best thing. They think that it deserves all the attention and recognition and that everyone should be covering it. The actual truth is that what they might be doing or what they're doing probably is great and it probably deserves to be covered but when there are a hundred different things that are happening in a day everything starts to get prioritized yeah um, the the best thing about having whether it's a pr firm or some sort of agency or just some sort of third party is that you have someone who is looking at your business your your product or whatever it is and they're trying to find the best story out of it because if you came to me and you said something, I mean, and said, okay, this, this is, I'm pitching you ABC, uh, I'm probably gonna say, well, that, that sounds great, but XYZ actually sounds better and is more, uh, it's, it's something that is more um, uh, approachable. It's something that more people will understand. And so let's spin it around. You as a founder might say, no, I really wanna push this, but me as the outsider, will say, yeah, but this is a thing that's going to get more attention and more pickup. At the end of the day, you, you have to realize that wh whoever, whether it's, again, like it's, if it's a firm, an agency, a third party, or someone even internally whose, whose job it is, their job is to get people to, to look at you. Their job is to get you awareness. They're going to do that no matter what. And I've, I've felt this so many times. We would work on a story, we would publish it, and I would have someone reach out and say, Hey, you know, can you use this photo instead? Can you put this word in a headline? Can you change this around? And and I would say, well, no. I mean, that's that's our job. Our job is to get people to consume it. Our job is to tell the best story and the most accurate story. Uh, and so we're going to do that. And what we think might not be necessarily in line what you think. And so there was always that difference that that existed. The best story I remember was something that was. Uh, it was McDonald's was reopening or, or reimagining some store up there here in Vancouver, and they were they were unveiling like a 1960s you know look or something like that. I don't even remember that that's the thing. But somewhere buried in the pitch was that they were going to be serving hamburgers for 69 cents, something like that. And you know, on on the onset, you look at that and you say, okay, well they're having a new store, they're inviting us, whatever. 
oh, the 69 cents hamburger, that's the story. That's what people want to know. And so that ends up being the headline. That being, becomes the angle of the story. We're still including the meat and potatoes of what it is that you're, you're doing, but it's just around how we're angling that. And I remember that story had tens of thousands of people uh, that read it because that's the hook. And so, you know, we look at that to say, what is it that we think that people are going to want to engage with? What are they going to want to share? It's the 69 cent hamburger. It's not your, you know, McDonald's is opening up a, a new store or something like that. Probably you also know better than McDonald's what will the reader react to. Well, it, well, that's exactly it. You know, it's, uh, you have to put trust in other people that they know their audience. They know how to get the attention and awareness. Uh, your job as a founder is to make the best product or service that you can. You have to bring in sometimes outside help uh, in order to refine that, that pitch and refine how that looks externally a little bit. I'm a firm believer every single founder out there, they need to play with social media in one way or the other, even though, even if they are not planning to become big or have a large audience, that practic, uh, practicality of doing it yourself gives you so much insight. I remember when I was doing my journey of 100 events and playing with social media and LinkedIn, I understood I need to listen uh, to my audience and I need to provide a story that is worth sharing. And that is, I, I think when I reached out to you, uh, you gave me a, a really good um, advice of not bothering with PR at this moment, just reaching out to media. And it, it didn't take much convincing to get, get it run. Daily Hive ran my story, multiple bloggers and podcasts and different people because there was some juice in this story that audience wanted to listen to. And it wasn't just, here's my product, this is what I'm launching. And I feel like a lot of founders are missing that out. They, they're missing what it takes to read into an audience. And hearing from you what your world is like is beyond what I was imagining. I, I had some ideas, but it's, it's chaos and it's big. And it's very important for us to listen to you because you know your audience the best. Yeah, it's, uh, I will always say exactly what you said is uh, get on social and just, just play around with it. You know, I see this with, with founders. I see this with even politicians where, you know, I, I question, you know, what are people's um, intentions and are they being genuine in what it is that they're doing? I see this with politicians all the time. You know that, and this used to happen a lot more in the past when, like a, even a few years ago when social was a little bit newer but you would see that someone would want to run for office. And so a month before they started a Twitter account, a month before they started an Instagram account. And you're like, where have you been all this time? What, why are you creating a brand new thing? <laughs> you know, you, and this is the first time that you're using it. What you're telling me is that you know nothing about this and you're, you're feeling like you have to do this and you have no choice. Instead, regardless of what you're doing in life, you know, have, the, have those outlets that are there and define who you are. Uh, social isn't there necessarily, uh, you know, it's, it's there for interacting and engaging with your, your friends and family and network and all those sorts of things. But if anything, the biggest part about it that is probably not talked about is that it allows you to tell your own story and, and for you to drive the narrative. If someone has any, um, any question about who I am, I always say, check me out, I'm, I'm everywhere. But how you see me online is how you're gonna find me in person. 
how you see me online is is exactly what you're going to get because that is uh, that is something intentional that I've been doing is and I see this with people you know you you're, you're them on Twitter might be something completely different than in person Instagram yes it's pretty pictures but at the same time you can be real at the same time and so you you have to find that that level of you know genuineness that's there um, and see is that you know use it for that tell your own story if I'm interested in what you're doing I wouldn't check you out on Twitter LinkedIn Instagram uh, TikTok, like whatever it is I will find you uh, I do this even when we're hiring people is I want to know what they're like I want to know what they're interested in but more than that I actually want to see how they're talking to people and if I see that they're going on on Twitter and all they're doing is just yelling at people and complaining. Well, now I know that's how they carry themselves. Yeah. Or if they're on Instagram and they're posting, you know, really stupid and, and not the most appropriate pictures, that's how they carry themselves. And that's how they want the world to see them. And so you start to understand this about people and, and you see that, okay, like now, even though I haven't met you in person, I've met you online and I've still met you and I understand a little bit more about you than I did before. So use those networks to your advantage in all these different platforms. That reminds me that recently uh, Mike Bloomberg who ran for uh, the Democratic Party in the US paid a bunch of meme accounts uh, to, to promote stupid meme. And this is exactly what you said. I mean, he wasn't doing memes before. It kind of seemed detached. So he got a lot of backlash on it. Uh, paying those stupid meme uh, pages, even some of them had some kind of racist names and stuff. So uh, it was very funny that you used yeah. that example. It's something that happened three, four months ago. But... Well, consistency is a key. And that's the, that's the thing. You look at someone like Reza, who is going to all these different events. Reza's narrative then became around this guy who's going to all these events. And he was doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's the same thing that happens in media. You know, everyone's just trying to build a habit with their network and the people that are around them that what is it that we can do that you are starting to engage with us, but like you're, you're, you know it. And, and it's something, you know, it's, it's no secret. You look at email newsletters that come in. There's a reason if you're signed up for a daily, there's a reason they come at the same time every single day, or they should be coming in at the same time every day. It's to build up that habit in your mind. And so that's all around consistency. It's something that, that doesn't happen overnight. It might not even take you two months or three months. It might be something that takes you years to get to. But it's if you commit to it and you do it consistently, then that's what you become known for. And that's your brand. And that's your story and the narrative around you. And when you put it that way, I have to say I'm guilty of not being consistent during COVID. I was way better prior to COVID. And I have my accountability partner. Itai is making me accountable every single week to upload that a podcast. And, and it's, it's helpful. You, you need someone like that in your life. Um, I want to also do a quick comment regarding the whole um, media relationship with, with the entrepreneur or with the founder. And I feel like it's a two-way street where there's so much value the founder can get from media and they're missing out. For example, the moment you say 69 cent is the story, that needs to trickle down to the marketing team of McDonald's to say, hey, you know what? Let's do more of that. Let's change our prices. Let's make differences in our you know, marketing um, campaigns going forward because that is what 
the uh, Daily Hive told us about their audience. We are uh, layer uh, detached from that audience, and that gives us a lot of you know uh, good feedback. For example, my story on Daily Hive. I would love now that you said it. I have to go email the writer of that story. I want to see if. Anybody responded to that? That that will change the way I interact with my audience going forward. Yeah, it's uh, there has to be that two-way communication. The one thing that I love doing is uh, just informational interviews, and people just asking, you know, hey, let's can we chat for fifteen minutes so I can understand how to work better. But you know, you have to take it one step a little bit before. Is how do you even get to that point? Because the amount of asks that people that people have, you know, hey, can we go for coffee? Can we can we chat or whatever? You have to you have to get them and hook them with something first. Is you know maybe it means that you're following them on social and like you've interacted a few times over the span of many months, so that you're you're on their radar and their top of mind, uh, so that when when people are asking, then then they know that it's there. It's like Reza, prime example. I met him in person at an event. We connected. He asked me to do something. I said, yes. Uh, I didn't really think about it back then. But then he followed up and I said, oh, I, I remember Reza, I met him. Seems Speaking like a of good that, guy. what would that look like virtually? Because that was an in-person event and I'm confident in-person event, I can get more attention. Whereas I don't know how to do it virtually. If I send you an email, it would just get lost in there. It's how how do I go about that? Well, you've got all of these platforms and you look and see, okay, well, what's public? If Twitter is public, Instagram, LinkedIn, potentially TikTok, uh, what else is there? Probably those ones at least. And you say, okay, how can, I, how can I interact and engage with you? All right, well, if any of those accounts are public, then let me go and follow you. That's the first step. The second is let me maybe engage with you. If you post something interesting, let me comment on it. Let me ask you a question on there. Let me let's let's have some sort of back and forth. Uh, that's kind of it. That's as simple as it is. The door is there for you. It's a matter of are you going to enter? Or are you I, going I to? I feel play? like it's a longer game than that. It has person. to be, yeah, because the, I mean, I see this all the time where someone starts following me on Instagram, and then a day later, I see something in my inbox, and I say, "Well, now I know dance. your game." Yeah, there has to be. But that's the same thing with every single thing out there where you just want to get to know someone, understand, because then you, you relate to them better. The best part about social is that you cut, that, uh, you cut the, the small talk because I already know what you're doing. I already know what, what's happening in your life. I got an email pitch. Um, I remember in my, in my last couple of weeks uh, at Baby Hive and, and it was something of, uh, hey, you know, like when you get back into the office and I said, if you just did a simple, a simple search, all you have to do is take like literally 60 seconds and you would find, I'm actually not going to be in the office. So do a little bit of homework first before you, before you start to do that. It's just, it's be smarter. That's, that's the only answer I always come back to is just be smarter, be better, take yourself seriously, take others seriously. If you can do that, it will do wonders. In the previous episode, Reza and I spoke about exactly that subject uh, and taking it to the online and as you said, online, there isn't that small talk, which is a double-edged sword because it could be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because those small talks are where some of the connections are formed. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Reza and I said, okay, if we were meeting in an online Zoom call, probably we wouldn't have a podcast together or any of that because it makes stuff way more transactional okay i yeah. can do this you can do this let's move it forward 
uh, rather than the face-to-face where you can actually build some connections and yeah. uh, things that are lacking in this online communication. Oh, totally. But I mean, it's, it's simple. I, I, like if you were following me, um, I think a couple of days ago, I can't remember, time is a blur. Uh, you would have seen, I went for a walk on the seawall with a friend of mine at 10 in the morning. What that's saying or what, what people could and, and should read from that is I go for walks at 10 a.m. I go for walks any time of the day. Meaning if you send me a message and say, hey, I, you know, if, if I know you and we've connected or whatever, uh, you want to go for a walk? You want to go on the seawall? It's a nice day or whatever. Would love to go for half hour, an hour, whatever, and just, just chat and Don, go for a walk. I take that. I take that offer. <laughs> or they can stalk you and wait <laughs> lurk in the seawall and see if they can <laughs> surprise you over there we are we are reaching the end of our podcast uh farhan what is it uh, our audience are mainly entrepreneurs founders some of them are interested in social media what is it that you are busy with right now or what is your mind um thinking of right now what are the opportunities that people can take and reach out to you on and i'm sure they can reach out to you on linkedin and instagram you're everywhere so yeah i i do that on purpose is i'll make myself available everywhere i make my email public everywhere like everything is just everywhere so it's, it's very simple uh i'm i'm starting to think you know how how can people start to define who they are and what their brand is um, not just during COVID, but coming out of it. Uh, I think we're really starting to ask those sorts of questions around what is people's purpose? Um, what are they doing and, and how are they doing it? How can we make incremental changes to get better? One of the best things that I've, of the many things that I've learned over the years of doing the job and being in media for almost a decade is that I've seen so many things that work and also so many things that don't work. And so how can I go and help some different businesses out and say, look, if you, if you just tweaked this by maybe one or 2%, you could see a five to 10% gain. And sometimes it literally is that easy. You take the McDonald's story, like that's not always going to work, but it's simple things like that, where how do you craft that message a little bit better? How do you, how do you make yourself stand out of the crowd? Um, you know, I get, I've, I've, heard from restaurants and they say, how do I get more attention? Well, spend a few hundred bucks and pay a photographer to come in and take some really good photos and post those photos on Instagram and put them on Facebook. And if you're having a new menu item, then share the share it with media. And also at the same time, have those really good photos. That's the simple, the simple way to make things better. And so it's just how do you give people those tips? And so that's what I want to help with is uh, look at all these businesses that are out there. There are some really, really good people who are doing some really good things that people have no idea is even happening. And so how can I help out? How can I go and, and, and get into a business? And, uh, you know, maybe that's even whether that's a half hour phone call, a 60 minute phone call, whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether it's recurring a one time, whatever. And how can I say, like, you're doing something really awesome. And let me help you. I, I did that with Reza. I still remember <laughs> he sent, uh, I saw his website and I was like, Reza, your website kind of sucks. Make a couple of these changes. And I remember because I, I felt bad when I was about to hit send on that email. I'm like, I don't even know this guy. But I did. And his website looked great. And I said, this is amazing. 
Super valuable, super valuable. And I'm sure, Farhan, right now you're still figuring things out. This is new to you, the transition. But to whoever is listening, this is an opportunity for you. Farhan is transitioning in his life. He's at home. He might have more time to respond. So if you have either, I would recommend. Number one, go check out his lifestyle online before reaching out because that's the only way you understand his world so you can have a better communication and number two either you are trying to get help from somebody who has years of experience with media and public relation and community building on social media or you have an amazing opportunity that might get him motivated to collaborate with you you send that to him it might get him interested reach out to farham Muhammad on instagram on linkedin he's on twitter everywhere you can find him that was our, well, thank you, uh, Farhan, for joining Thank you us. very much for joining. And Reza, I think I'm going to take you up on that and connect with Farhan on all of his social channels. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a smart move. I've been telling everyone during COVID, this is the time to reach out. This is the time people are reading more emails. You can get their attention. So absolutely. reach out to all those people you, you want to connect with. This was another episode of Hunter Podcast. This was week nine. We had our lovely guest, Farhan Mohammed, former editor-chief of Daily Hive. And I'm Reza V, and I was joined by my co-host, Itai Schechter. Next week, we have an exciting, exciting episode called Social Capital. The author of the book, Social Capital 2.0, Professor Rick, Dr. Rick Mask is gonna join us. And I'm super excited on that. I can't wait till next week. Very that interesting, is, for sure. That is on the podcast.